Double Take is an extension of the award-winning movie review show Cinema Classics, which airs Thursday at 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSanto, this podcast features additional content and discussion with guests. I'm John DeSanto. And I'm Kevin Carr. And this is Double Take. If you want to ask people what they think a classic is, (laughs) Frankenstein is probably one of the top classics of all time. Well, yeah, well, obviously. Well, you know, going all the way back, even before the 1931, the Frankenstein-esque stuff, there was a there was a movie called The Gollum made in the 20s, which was kind of a Frankenstein story, all making it out of, making yeah. a Gollum out of clay. <laughs> yeah, so it's been very popular. So now we have Lisa Frankenstein. Yes, okay. which has nothing to do with the book. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is there, directed by... Robin Williams' daughter. Yes. Zelda. Zelda Williams, yeah. yeah. The character in the film is named Lisa Swallows. Yes. And now we'll just use your imagination as to why they choose that. (laughs) I know, right? Anyway, so Kev, set it up for us. Well, the story's about a uh, troubled teenage girl who essentially falls in love with a, a guy who's in a graveyard who she tends his grave, and a freak accident of lightning... Causes him to reanimate, even though he's from the Victorian era. He the 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 body reanimates and and comes alive, and, and they start a relationship. He's originally friend zoned, right? But they they she helps him, you know, put himself back together, so to speak. Oh, yeah, and and they and they have this relationship and start going into doing some other nefarious things. <laughs> no, it's, it's Cole oh, Sprouse. Who's a, that's right? Yeah, because there's Cole and Dylan Sprouse. If you don't know, they no, were they were yeah. twins on a couple Disney yeah. shows. But anyway, there are parts of it that I thought were pretty thrilling. That is the way that he emerges and, they, and a hunch and and he he does some great physical know, work. He, he does. does. Good, yeah, yeah. Th- what's so funny about Lisa Frankenstein for me is it's it's a mixed bag. You know, it, it's yeah. a Frankenstein type of movie. There's parts of it like. His physical acting and the, the kind of physical comedy is, is actually really good. The production design's good. I like the idea, although it's not the first time we've had these. See, there's stuff like My Boyfriend's Back and Warm Bodies and Life After Beth. There's, they've done the, the movies about somebody falling in love with somebody in various states of being dead. And well, for her, because the, this is a hypersexualized little tale, oh, yeah. Yeah. and and so she's stitching parts that are very necessary for her romance yeah. with him, and he, which I thought was kind of ingenious, you know. Yeah, you mentioned Zelda Williams directed it, but I think what got more press was oh, Diablo yes. Cody wrote the screenplay, right. and that's very much on brand for Diablo Cody, sort of. <laughs> yes. Pushing those taboo yeah. limits and, and stuff that isn't talked about in your standard PG-13 movie for females. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And being delicate. Right. The, the one that I really love was Juno, I think. Well, Juno, what's funny with Diablo Cody is, yeah, Juno, I love Juno. Yeah. And, and that was like, what, 17 years ago or something like that. As much as I love Juno, I looked at everything else she's done, and I've, I've not just disliked her <laughs> scripts, I've actively hated a bunch of her scripts, even though the ones that got... got Good reviews, like I, I hated Tully, I hated Ricky and the Flash, I hated Young Adult, <laughs> I hated Jennifer's Body. Although this movie has more connective tissue, if you will, okay. with Jennifer's Body, not just its themes, but it being sort of horror adjacent. So how does this differ from, why do they put it out this time of year? Do they think they don't have something really going? We're in a time right now where we're, we're, we're dealing with the blowback of the strikes from last year, which kind of shoved a bunch of things down the okay. pipeline. So it's, it's a bit anemic right now. 
This was a big swing, and, and I appreciate that. I, Diablo Cody's a good writer. I, I think this one could have been baked a little longer. There are some elements that in in a specific one scene moment or one line moment are great. Mm-hmm. Cohesively, it doesn't quite hold together as a movie. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I've been still struggling with trying to put it together as to yeah. is this a comedy? Is this a horror film? Is it a combination of the two? Is it success? success? Uh, yeah, it's because I don't know if I call. I mean, it's horror adjacent, but it's not a horror. I mean, this is going to scare anybody. No, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had thought it would be more romantic. Eventually, well, of course, yeah. they they do. I couldn't quite get a fix on the romance of it. Well, and that's the thing. I think, I think there, there's, there's not a good focus on what she wants to do because they take the, the character of Lisa and Catherine Newton, who plays Lisa, is great. Yeah. Who's the actress who plays her, her stepsister? Oh, uh, yeah, Lisa Soberano. Yeah, she's very, very good. good. I, I mean, know. she kind of steals the show in a lot of ways. I know she does. So they got some very good acting in it. But it, it's, I don't know, Catherine Newton, she might just be a little too old for this role because this feels hmm. like the feelings... And elements that go through the head of a girl from 16 Candles more than hmm. someone. And yeah, everyone always plays younger. I mean, I think Newton's in her 20s or somewhere. All right, yeah. But I don't think she, and her character's like 18, you know, she's like a senior in high school. It really feels like this is more of like a 15 year old story, hmm. discovering the difference between infatuation and love. Okay, and she, the character just seems a little old to be doing that, and and then there's this there's all this trauma that she's gone through because her mother was killed by like a, a axe murderer, Voorhees type killer. <laughs> no, yeah. which they just kind of just throw I know in there they and, did. You know, you're right. You know. I thought, geez, there's more to that. You know, yeah, where was that first movie? I'm kind of interested in that <laughs> I know, one, you right? Know? Because talk about traumatic, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's like so. There's there's that, and she's carrying all that with her. It's sort of meshing that into the fascination with death, which is not an uncommon thing. Yeah, of course, especially with with teens, and um, you know, it, it's so there's there's things that aren't that are just not fully explored, and then kind of fall into parody and goofiness, and that's where I think is because she has this crush on this boy at school. It's not completely a love story for the dead guy because, like I said, she friend zones him for a while. Yeah, and and she's infatuated with this this guy who runs the, the, with the yearbook. The, yeah, the, the, the literary guy. Yeah, and and then they don't quite, and how that gets resolved is very weird. Very. And and I don't know. Is there's also a thing? There's a thin line when you're dealing with gallows humor in a movie like this, with death and suicide or something like that. And I'm a guy who I grew up with Heather's, and I loved Heather's, mm-hmm. and that deals with some very dark things. But it's all consistent. This one, it's not that it needs a moral compass, but it points in multiple. It's like a it's a, its moral compass has a magnet sitting next to it, and it keeps flipping around, so it doesn't have a consistent message. And you can do some of the things they do in this movie. It shifts and it turns into something else, and then it becomes whimsical about it. So, it, like I said, it just it seemed very uneasy. Yeah, yeah. I like to use that phrase, a hot mess. Yeah. There's just so much going on. And but there's some great stuff in it. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. You're right. It makes a great trailer. Individual parts really do. Uh, one of the parts of this that I really liked was the way she dealt with that nerdy guy who was hitting on her. Another one they didn't completely parse. For us, yeah, but they like threw two or three. They put one or two of those things in there, and then you're like, "Well, maybe this is where the the story's exactly. going." Oh no, we're going to abandon that storyline and do this other thing. Yeah. Now, what about her relationship with her her peers? Um, I, I mentioned Mean Girls, and, and uh, yeah. I didn't find the usual trope for that. 
Well, yeah. Well, part of it is is she's kind of in. She's adjacent to that clique because her stepsisters. The would-be mean girl, but her stepsister's just a good person, but kind of a dummy. Right. Yes. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's where I expected that to go, and it didn't, and she turned out to be really pleasant. Yeah. She's a cheerleader. She's the opposite of her. She's the pretty girl, but, yeah. but she's not the mean girl. No, no, and she's sympathetic to her sister. They're both supportive of each other. It's really pretty cool. I mean, I appreciated the fact that it didn't fall completely into stereotypes, and the danger in something like that, although it didn't do well this last weekend, but the danger in something like if you made it the stereotypical mean girl's you're at the whim of whatever it, it releases against, and you're going up against Mean Girls. Of the At least you got something different. Frankenstein, just the whole story that starts with Mary Shelley in 1818. 1818? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, what is it about this? I mean, we seem to be obsessed. There must be scores of Frankenstein movies. Classic gothic horror. You know, you go back to the original book. And the, the thing that was funny about the book, the book's very flowery. You, you read the oh, book, it and is. The, it, it, it reads like a, like a love poem. You'll almost weep. Yeah, in sympathy for the monster. Yeah, well, and the monster's very well spoken in the book. People sit there like they said with like Lisa Frankenstein. It's based on Frankenstein, and I'm like, the heck is no, based no. on? <laughs> it is not right. And and because even Frankenstein from 1931, James Wales film, even that's really not based on Frankenstein, Mary <laughs> Shelley's book. Because <laughs> there's so many differences. And the structure of what the the creature is versus what the the the, the motivations of of uh, Doctor Frankenstein and how it impacts his family is the first time I really ever saw a good bona fide attempt to do a real based on the book movie was Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Back in the 90s. And even then, he kind of goes off the rails halfway through anyway. Talk about going off the rails. Young Frankenstein. Well, Young Frankenstein is more a riff on on, on Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein. 40 years later after the 31. Yeah. But honestly, that's one of the best non-universal Frankenstein movies that's ever come out. I agree with you, yeah. But but the thing is, Frankenstein deals with these... Universal concepts that you see in stuff that's not just a Frankenstein movie. It's about your creation. You know, I mean, 2001 had Frankenstein elements to it with HAL 9000 becoming self-aware and, you know, tr- dealing with what you create using science. Yeah. And, and there, these are these themes that permeate literature in not just in horror, but science fiction and mystery and even drama well you're making me think of a couple of things first of all our recent kerfuffle about ai yeah that's our creation yeah and we're talking intelligence which is not really one the purview of, of frankenstein and secondly like poor things well yeah poor things is definitely a riff off of frankenstein <laughs> i know right i think poor things takes a very different approach poor things looks frankensteinish and it has the elements of a frankenstein movie but I don't think it has the themes of the Frankenstein movie because yeah. that's more about the a, a, a path of discovery. Yeah. Whereas yeah, right. if you go, if you mine the original Frankenstein novel, it's it's about somebody creating life yeah. and who's in charge of that and and who is it made out of and you yeah. know even just the subtitle of the modern Prometheus, it's it's about somebody <laughs> who's. Prometheus stole fire, and Frankenstein stole the ability to give life yeah. to lifelessness, 
And it's something that's meant for the gods. Other memorable, The Bride of Frankenstein. Well, The Bride of Frankenstein is arguably a better movie than, <laughs> than Frankenstein. You know, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that Elsa Lanchester? Or Elsa Lanchester, yeah. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is to go back and watch that movie, similar to Dracula's Daughter, the first the sequel to, to Dracula, is the heavy, really at this point, LG, yeah. tones oh, that's in the, yeah. you know, the yeah. gay and lesbian tones. and. In the Bride of Frankenstein, and and it goes to you know a lot of with uh, you know James Whale's personal history and sure and, yeah. and it certainly ties up you know if you if you've ever seen Gods and Monsters with Ian McKellen that, yes, that right. explores a yeah. lot of those oh yeah and and you get into some comedic stuff Frankenstein meets the Wolfman those are more kids movies I don't know if I call Frankenstein meets the Wolfman a, a <laughs> a comedy, but it's it's fun because they get goofy in the forties. Oh, it is great, yes, and uh, and I, that was really just a sequel to The Wolfman. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. And then Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Well, yeah, that is was a classic. That's a great one, <laughs> isn't it? I love when they bring all the monsters together. <laughs> but if you go back to like House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula, it's right, just oh, good one. Yeah, th- those have the mon- but usually it's just a it's like a twenty minute story with a Dracula, and then they move on to the, to the Wolfman and Frankenstein always together. In, in 1957, you get two classic guys, Peter Cushing and... Christopher he, Lee. Yeah, Christopher Lee. In Curse of Frankenstein. In Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> That's when, that was when <laughs> Hammer was redoing oh, all, of right, the, exactly. all the original ones. It is, exactly. And uh, what's funny is if you go back to it, Christopher Lee looks a little goofy. And if, if, if you've seen it, he's, he, it's not a great-looking Frankenstein monster in that movie. <laughs> he, looks like he, just, he looks like me getting out of bed. <laughs> And somebody would make the correlation with Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. Edward Scissorhands, absolutely a Frankenstein movie. <laughs> it isn't a gothic castle and everything. It's about a, a person who puts somebody together. He didn't live long enough to do the hands or something. Yeah, he, he, he had a heart. He, or he, he died. He had an event and died right before he was going to put hands on him. And that was 1990. That's a yeah. while ago. It was a yeah. while ago. Oh. It opened up against, ironically, opened up uh, that that. Season against Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis ah, Ford Coppola. Ah, yeah, and any there is a correlation, is there, with Rocky Horror? If I remember, oh, absolutely. His name's Frankenfurter. <laughs> right, right. He's creating right, right. a man yes. <laughs> to be his own plaything. <laughs> it was a Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry, yeah. And well, that was of course Richard O'Brien who played Riff Raff. He he wrote that all as a tribute to old old gothic. I mean, it was nineteen well nineteen seventy five is when the movie came out. I, yes, I forget right. when yeah. the. Rocky Horror Show stage play started yeah, yeah. in England, Boy, but you know, early 70s, maybe late 60s, but that was all riffing on old movies and, and the creature features, yeah. which, which you really, unfortunately, we don't have the creature features. You don't have the late night Fritz yeah. the Night. Well, Fritz the Night Owl's still around. They're still doing yeah, stuff Fritz's, with him, yeah. but you don't have that. You don't turn on 10 TV anymore yeah. and... Just watch. Outsized takes on that with Godzilla, right? I mean, you're, you're, that, we put energy into that yeah, as, I mean, as, as horror goes. In. I personally wouldn't categorize the Godzilla movies as a Frankenstein thing, but, no, but no, right. it deals with very similar but, themes. But I'm, I'm, you're making me think that we have our needs, that we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And so now if we don't have creation like the Frankenstein, we can have Godzilla, which is just massive. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's whatever you do with science. It, there's The entirety of movies and literature has been a cautionary tale about science. And, and, and it's like when, when the AI stuff kind of blew up last year, and everyone's like, look at this. And, and I'm like, have you not watched The Terminator? Have you not watched any movie about AI? Good, good one. For years, it's, 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 
Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> well, Kevin Carr, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with Lisa Frankenstein. I didn't really know where it was going to go, but you were the best guy I knew <laughs> to take it somewhere. Uh, it's a bad time of year for movies, so it wasn't a bad movie to see. It's one that really makes you scratch your head and say, okay, now, what's this all about? Yeah, I, yeah, it's like, I, I think it would have done better at a different time if they would have released it in yeah, yeah. Halloween time. would have made more sense. Well, we have a long way to go. Yeah. Till Oscar, and just in case you get too busy, what's your uh, prediction? Oh, of who's going to win the Oscar? Yeah. Not Lisa Frankenstein. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it's Oppenheimer's to lose, I think. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And they put my maestro on the sideline. Oppenheimer yeah. is a bit of a juggernaut. And you're not a Christopher Nolan guy. I, I think he's a pretentious windbag who sometimes <laughs> makes good movies. <laughs> I but I think you're right. Right now it is. Oh, it's, uh, the momentum's all there. <laughs> I know, right. I would be stunned right. if anything won other than... And we uh, have our little Barbie, too, to deal with. All the, the kerfuffle about Barbie and... Well, yeah, I mean, Barbie, it's... it's. I, I just think it's where the numbers fell. I don't think there was any sort of great patriarchy. I guess the point is it's, it's had at least eight nominations. Well, it had a lot... It's it not like they were ignoring them. It had fewer... If you stack the nominations up against, like, the Golden Globes and... The Critics' Choice and stuff like that. It had fewer, but I think it's a lot of it because of the songs. The songs really bumped it up. Okay, yeah, Margot Robbie didn't get nominated, but she's not nominated against five other women. And then America Ferreira got a nomination for Best Supporting, which she fully deserved. And, you know, the five of the directors out of the ten movies got nominated, so five of them are going to be off. There's a woman in that. Anyways, yeah, yeah. no, Greta Gerwig. I don't think she's making a stink about it. I think the, no, she's cool. Her stands are she's, making a stink. Yeah, she's cool. She's looking at her bank account and saying everything is working. I think she's doing <laughs> fine for herself right now.